Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, we're doing something a little different, something we kind of haven't done before. So instead of looking at a new movie, uh, inspired by a new movie, the new Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is coming out today on VOD and in some theaters, we are going back to the first two Bill and Ted movies, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And we're doing what is kind of going to be like a combination of our Breaking It Apart side series where we look at an older movie and look forward to the movies that it inspired and a Missing Pieces episode where we look at a semi-recent movie, something from the last 20 years, but like before the start of piecing it together and do a few pieces that may have inspired the movie and a few pieces that the movie itself inspired. And so we're kind of going to combine those two things into a big super episode with our returning co-host Joe Black joining me to discuss some of the movies that inspired the two Bill and Ted films and some of the movies that the two Bill and Ted films themselves inspired. And it is a great, fun conversation and a great way to rediscover these truly awesome movies. I had such a great time reconnecting with these. It had been so many years since I last saw them, and I am really excited to watch the new one tonight, and I really hope that it lives up to the legacy of these two classics. So before we get into that conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and we do love those reviews. We love hearing what you think of the show. And of course, just share the show with your friends. That is the greatest thing in the world when you can do that for us. And you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod or join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies that we talk about on the show. So, I'd say it's time to get into this conversation about Bill and Ted. Party on, dudes. All right, so back on the show with us today, we've got our buddy Joe Black. How you doing, Joe? I'm very happy to be here. This is one of my favorite movies. I, I'm very excited to talk about this. We are talking about both Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And I recently sat down and rewatched these movies uh, for this podcast and reconnected with them in a way 
I was not expecting. I have a feeling that this is going to go down as the big surprise for me as far as movies are concerned for 2020 because I loved these movies upon rewatch so much. Wow. I, I, the only thing that shocks me about what you just said is that you were surprised. Um, I, I know, they, right? <laughs> yeah. No, these movies are truly incredible. Um, when I uh, started dating uh, my girlfriend, we like one of the first things I had to ask her is if she had seen them and she had not. And I mm. had to rectify that immediately. She loved the first one. And I was like, great, because that means the second one's a, a, a home run slam dunk you know guarantee but she actually didn't like the second one it seems like that is the case with a lot of people and it's recently i think starting to get more and more of a a bit of a following or maybe it's always had and i just didn't know but i definitely counted myself as one of those people who walked out of the theater when i was you know what was i 11 or 12 or something when the second one came out and i was just confused and like (laughs) what in the world is this and i always kind of thought like, I love the first Bill and Ted. I don't know how it's aged because I haven't seen it in 20 years, but I didn't, I didn't like the second one. This time around, I think I like the second one even more. Um, and the first That's one held you're up. you're a cynical uh, adult. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the first one held up, I mean, beautifully. I mean, everything yeah. that was so great about it as a kid was still great. And then there was plenty of stuff that I probably didn't catch the first 20, well, 30 times around. Well, what I'll say about the second one that I've never noticed or rather, I I don't know, noticed, but appreciated is that they are vastly different in tone. Like the first one is so like light and and down to earth. And then the second one is so like wacky and dark. It's a very dark Mm -hmm. movie. Um, Oh, yeah. Which is so funny that like I I never made that distinction. It's like they they literally get killed and go to hell. The original title was Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Like you know, 20 minutes in or something. Yeah, too. at the Vasquez <laughs> Rocks, where many a great battle have taken place. Uh, uh, Jim Kirk fighting the Gorn. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob fighting Wild uh, uh, Marshall, Will, and Holly, and Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Yeah. Sure. But uh, I will always think of it as where the evil robot us is vanquished Bill and Ted. Um, but I, I, I love both of these movies so much, and I'm actually in a in a weird camp where I think that they're both equal in quality. But for me, the first one, I genuinely consider to be one of the most important films ever made. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I actually uh, taught a class on this one time and it's funny. I randomly met some Bill and Ted podcasters out here in LA once they, they have a Bill and Ted podcast and I didn't even know it when we started talking Bill and Ted. And by the end they were just like, Whoa, um, I think that Bill and Ted is is uh, real movies. It's um it's meant to be a movie you go see with your buddies at the mall on a Friday night. You know what I mean? With a thing of nachos and a, the biggest popcorn you can buy, and uh, it's a silly, simple, wacky little buddy comedy. But what it's about is almost transcendent. It's so beautiful that these two guys they. You know, they're just your typical slacker kids and they don't understand history. And why do they not understand history? It's because they're not being told they're not they're not able to understand the humanity of these people, these historical figures. Right. The way Mm -hmm. that they're being taught. And it's not until they actually go and interact with them as human beings. Like when they start to realize that, oh, my gosh, you know, like Billy the Kid had to flirt with women or Joan of Arc might have liked 
fucking aerobics. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> right. It's Humanizing until, these people. Exactly. It's not until they understand them as people before historical figures, people first, that they real that what they accomplish really sinks in and resonates with Bill and Ted. And um, I think that alone would be an amazing message, if not for the fact that then the movie takes it even further and Bill and Ted themselves have been kind of ignored because all they care about is music and, you know, they're heavy metal. But it turns out that what they do will actually have just as much, if not an even greater effect than what these other historical figures have done. So the movie then, what they've been setting you up the whole time is you understand Bill and Ted as humans now and not just Mm -hmm. these dumb little surfer, you know, like dropouts. And once you understand that, you can appreciate them for the value that they have and then they could change the world not through like violent revolution or anything, but literally through music, through through you know a joyous, expressive creativity. Right. And whether or not the you know popcorn and nacho teenage mall audience takes that in, you know when they go see it, well you know in between makeout sessions with their girlfriend or whatever, they they receive that. Sure. And, sure. and to put that idea out there in, in the universe is is to me that's that's what true art is and. Uh, and the fact that it, uh, and the fact that it's so funny and well put together on top of it is just the cherry on top for me. Absolutely, and y- you know we're gonna start getting into some puzzle pieces here in a minute, uh, and we're gonna start out by going backwards, looking at some movies that maybe inspired Bill and Ted, both of these movies, and then we'll go forward and look at some movies that have come since that these movies might have inspired themselves. But first, I did want to bring up one other thing, and. That is one of my favorite puzzle pieces ever brought up on the show is when you and I were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and you brought up Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for the reason that you're never worried that this duo is going to kind of like be at odds and split up or anything. They're always best friends. They're always buddies. And there's like a a safety to that, a warmness to that. Mm-hmm. And I I just love that about about these characters and how they just, there's just such a love there. And it really does, it it really does shine through in in a way without needing that whole Hollywood, oh, there's got to be a conflict between them kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest confrontation they have in either movie is in the first one when they're when they're walking down the stairs and he keeps talking about Missy being his mom now and he (laughs) screams, shut up, Ted! But then it ends with Ted just like smiling all big and goofy. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the biggest like headbutting they ever have. Even <laughs> evil robot Bill and Ted don't have any conflict. Yeah, they're they're best of friends, those two. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> oh man, how sad will it be if they ruin that in the new one? Oh, uh, I, I'm so nervous about this new movie. Um, I know it. It really is a scary thing to to think like to have such a perfect like for so many years to just have it like encapsulated and like mm-hmm. now we're, we're we could either go to the whole nother new level or it's gonna mess things up a little bit but i guess we're gonna find that out in a week there are obviously a million different like franchises and and ips that like mean a lot to me and i'm always a little like worried that like when they get rebooted or renewed or sequels that they'll kind of taint it but like never like a genuine like not in my gut you know um right. <laughs> the last time was star trek and uh jj abrams that bastard so bad but but then <laughs> justin lynn god bless him came back and saved it uh saved the saga with star trek beyond but 
I don't know that I could handle if this Bill and Ted, if it's a bad movie, I don't give a shit. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, that's fine. That's not what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is if they fuck with Bill and Ted. Right. Like, with the canon of the character. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. And the one thing that I just like, oh, please, God, don't let this happen is don't make it a thing where their daughters are the ones who make the music. Like, <laughs> like that, that negates all that comes before it. And I don't care what kind of explanation they'll try to give. That will negate the entire point of both of those movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like <sighs> it's okay. It's all right. Well, let, let, let's, let's go in hopeful. And I, I am, I'm very much looking forward to next week, but why don't we look back first with some movies we think might have inspired these Bill and Ted movies. What do you got for your first piece? Okay. So uh, I was going to go uh, chronologically, if you will, like, I, sure. I don't know why I tend to do that, but um. My first puzzle piece is not a uh, is not a movie. It is okay. a novel, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, written by Mark Twain, and uh, they they made it into a film in the '90s, um, but added a very '90s spin on it with a kid in King Arthur's Court, starring uh, okay. the rookie of the year himself. But it it's about like a, a like an industrial like factory worker guy who gets a bonk on the head and he goes back in time and he convinces everybody. When he goes back in time, that he was um, that he's like a a, a magician, you know. Um, mm-hmm. He like he 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 ruffles some feathers, if you will, <laughs> in his hubris because he feels he's so like technologically advanced that you know, like um, he he feels like he's in control and he's in power. But then he kind of slowly realizes that like the validity of the way that they did things back then and how like trailblazers, you know, uh, actually have their place. You know, I think right. the one thing one thing that we we tend to forget is that, um, you know, we 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 can pass such judgment on uh, on the past. You know what I mean? But we tend to forget like that they like paved the road that lead us to this kind of enlightenment or these kinds of privileges or amenities. Mm. You know, and that book very clearly paints that picture all the way back in the time of Mark Twain. And uh, I think the Bill and Ted is very uh, very similar, but takes it a step further by um i think it's really inspired that they don't actually um bill and ted don't have a hubris Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they 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 don't in any way see themselves superior to any of these people when one of them does something like stupid like genghis khan who like tries to like you know uh drink out of the toilet they simply say oh no 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 you just you just scrub it you know what i mean like (laughs) like they're <laughs> they have Genghis Khan clean the toilet. That's such a good joke. So ridiculous. That's such a good joke. But um, but yeah, I think that like uh that you know that idea of of judgment and hubris, Bill and Ted took it and took it a step further. Beautiful. Well, you know what? I actually have a book for my first piece as well. Great. Uh, there we go. I'm I actually just brought this up on our Ant Kind episode, but it was H.G. Uh, Wells' The Time Machine, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. goes into such like like crazy visions of, of, you know, the future and, and going in through different time periods and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just the idea of time travel, it, you know, Bill and Ted, 1989, I mean, we're still, there's a lot to come forward when we start looking forward at movies that this may have inspired. There's a lot more time travel happening in movies after this point, I think we're, yeah. we'll have a few before. Uh, so, I mean, the time machine going back to this book from so much longer before is 
clearly, I think, an inspiration for the idea of time travel and the the oddities that come with it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I've never read the book. I have seen the Wishbone episode. Okay. <laughs> and I've seen the Guy Pierce movie. Mm. But I don't think that Orlando Jones was in the book. Um, I, I I don't believe so. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I, I I'm you know I bust out my Mark Twain and then you come back at me with some H.G. Wells and I'm like, um, <laughs> yeah, no, never read it. You caught yeah. me. Thanks for exposing me here. I've spent all my time watching Bill and Ted and Wayne's World and <laughs> shit like that. You need uh, an H.G. Wells tattoo. I saw- <laughs> <laughs> What's that one movie where? Uh, where he travels through with Malcolm McDowell. Why am I, uh, uh, time after time? Is that what it's called? Where he, uh, where HG Wells fights Jack yes, the Ripper time after time. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, a cool. I movie. haven't seen, I haven't seen that. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that I didn't think of that as one of my puzzle pieces. Yeah. It's, it's Jack the Ripper or well, HG Wells has a dinner party to tell people that to tell all these like aristocrats that he's, a uh, that he's invented a time machine. And one of them, jumps into it and travels to modern day, which was 1979, uh, San Francisco. Turns out that that was Jack the Ripper. Like, and so (laughs) HGL's like, shit, I need to go get Jack the Ripper. And he goes and, you know, to modern day and is hunting him down. He befriends a little bank teller, Mary Steenburgen. And then uh, they stop him and then she goes back in time with him. Sounds absolutely nuts. It's a blast. (laughs) It's a great movie. And it's not a comedy. Right, like, right. It's not a, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of funny here and there, like, but intentionally. But uh, Malcolm McDowell is H.G. Wells. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> well, I'm going to include that on our finished list here. But what oh, do you got yeah. for your next piece? Um, my next piece is um, uh, The Seventh Seal. Uh, nice. <laughs> yes, uh, Bergman's The Seventh Seal, um, which, I mean, the, it directly references in um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Sure. Um, Seven Seal is about a man who dies and uh, the Grim Reaper, Death, challenges him to a game of chess. And if he wins, he can come back to life. And uh, the beginning of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, that's their thing. They, they get killed by the future robot versions of themselves and they're in like a purgatory. And Death offers them, if he, they beat him in a game, they can, uh, they can come back to earth and and the funny the funniest bit of all of it is that he they keep beating him at every game like death yeah. is terrible <laughs> um but what i love about the implication there is maybe if they had picked chess they'd be screwed you know right but right. what do they do they pick the things that like mean something to them that are fun to them battleship and clue and twister you know <laughs> um another reason why i think it's an important uh why uh, Roger Ebert, uh, who is like the one film critic everyone knows, um, thumbs up, thumbs down, Roger Ebert, he flat out refused to see the first Bill and Ted. He was like, no, like, fuck, no. That's the dumbest <laughs> looking thing I've ever seen. And it's his job. It's his job to go see movies. Now when he's like, no. But then when he saw the trailer for Bill and Ted 2, he saw the Grim Reaper thing and he was like, is this stupid slacker comedy doing a riff on Ingrid Bergman? Right. And so he went to go see it and um it's all in his review for it and it blew him away because what he couldn't appreciate about these movies just from their concept is that these movies are actually about what teenagers don't think about. 
like quote unquote like we don't think about like the past we don't think about like the people who have like you know trailblazed for us or paved the way but then another so what do you do when you come to the sequel well another thing young people don't think about necessarily is death is like that their time is limited that there is a ticking clock so bill and ted tackled that subject too you know what i mean bringing in light sure. and he was like the last thing i ever expected from bill and ted was enlightenment and um and it made him go back and watch the first one, which he thought was even better. <laughs> that is so awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Ebert's, Ebert has some really great stories. We, we bring up his uh, little bits and pieces on Awesome Movie here a lot. There, there's so many little great Ebertisms. Uh, oh, sure. Over the he's, years. One of the, he's one of the few film critics that actually like watched movies and like right. appreciated movies for what they are. And unlike Pauline Kael, he didn't wait <laughs> until everyone else released their reviews to release his reviews. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. That's getting way too film nerdy for this. This is about puzzle <laughs> This isn't about Pauline Kale versus Roger Ebert. <laughs> I should write a fan fiction movie about the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will go on to my next piece. And uh, since on your last one, that was mostly Bogus Journey, I will go with one that is mostly Bogus Journey as well. Mm -hmm. And that is Star Wars. Which I think a lot of the uh, this whole like futuristic council and the the evil guy with his deep you know uh, Shakespearean voice and all that kind of stuff and just that whole uh, big sci-fi thing that they're that they're throwing into this second one, which right off the bat lets you know, oh, this movie is going to be a lot bigger and weirder and like we said, darker and you know heavier than the last movie. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Whenever people like around my age see that actor uh, pop up, they're always like, oh, it's Hans from the Mighty Ducks. And I'm like, nah, that's Denomalos. That's Denomalos, he, man. Yeah. He almost ruined the future. Um, yeah, no, Star Wars for sure. Like, I mean, that Star Wars fingerprint was on science fiction for like 15 years or so. Like nobody could really escape it. You know what I mean? Until CGI really came along. You know what I mean? Right, but, um, right. Like and the the costume designs of the bad guys actually too remind me a lot of um of like uh either the the Masters of the Universe um Centurions the Dolph Lundgren sure. movie yeah but um they also remind me of the Borg from mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek the Next Generation but absolutely all, but all of that is rooted back down to honestly more I think Return of the Jedi is like the one of the Star Wars trilogy that that makes sense. Yeah, like that that seems to be the one that like aesthetically really like that everybody picked up on. I wonder why that is. You know what yeah. I mean? I guess maybe because the first one was like too like light and clean looking, maybe, and then the second one was a little like I think the excitement also maybe had like reached like a certain point where it just mm -hmm. everybody was just so just in with the hype and everything that it just kind of like burned in everybody's memories, you know. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't like Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, I do like all those other movies I just that we were just listing that are definitely inspired by it. I guess I guess what you're teaching me here today, David, is that I need to give credit where it's due. And there you uh, go. You know, yeah. Okay, so thanks, Return of the Jedi. Without you, we wouldn't have Masters of the Universe. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are important lessons to learn. Uh, yeah. Joe. That movie came out thirty seven years ago. Um, Sounds Sounds about right. Yeah, so it took me my whole life to figure it out. 
<laughs> big, uh, big lessons here today. What do you got for your next piece? Oh, well, you know, uh, somewhat of a segue because I said the Borg, but uh, Star Trek, the original series. Okay. Um, I would have said Next Generation, but that wouldn't make any sense because they actually shot, even though Bill and Ted came out in 89, they shot it in 87. But the guys who wrote it came up with the characters and the concept in 1981. Um, so uh, I can't say The Next Generation, even though it's my like absolute favorite show of all time. But I'll say the original series. Because Star Trek um, is one of, notoriously one of the first science fiction anythings that had a complete utopian society. Like mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the one thing about Star Trek that none of the newest newer ones have gotten uh, is that in in the Star Trek future, the human race has grown and evolved to where there is no more class. There, uh, there are no more class systems. There's no more war. There's no more racism. There's no more bigotry. There's no, like all of that is a thing of the past. And we live in harmony. And that's why we are able to explore other galaxies. And all of the drama and tension and excitement that came from Star Trek came from encountering other cultures mm. and like their ideals like um some archaic some way too advanced for us like coming into conflict with the harmony that we had found as human beings it's the most optimistic wonderful um vision of the future you can ever imagine sure. um and the new ones are so stupid they seem to think for some reason that starfleet is a military operation the show is like this <laughs> It's like no, like they, there is no military. Um, anyways, uh, but <laughs> Bill and Ted, um, the 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 couple of glimpses that we get into the future, which are very minimal, we are exposed in this to two rooms and a doorway of the future in these sure. films. But I can already tell from the damn trailer that like we're probably gonna get a whole future town or something like that in this new one. But um, but the scene where Bill and Ted first accidentally go to the future when the, when the telephone uh, antenna gets hit by the mace. Um, and then they just see the council in that song by Robbie Rob is playing the in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole, the, that, that just that swarm of people come in the room and they start air guitaring to the song. Um, gosh, like that's one of those movie moments that makes me cry every time. Right, you know, right. Yeah, that and when Rocky wins and Rocky Two, those are like the two <laughs> scenes. That, oh, and I guess when Ricky dies in Boys in the Hood, those are the three scenes <laughs> that every time I see it, I just I can't help it. I just tears fall down my I face. I feel like that speaks a lot to us both being like big, big music people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so it's like the music really brings that out. What do you think about the idea that this movie, you know, the, this silly series, but that that it sets forth that that music is going to harm and you know bring us all in harmony and bring us to this kind of future? I mean, in a pre-internet age, that made a lot of sense. Right, um, right. Like that. Oh man, that'd be really interesting if the new one tackles that idea, like how the internet fucked with Bill and Ted's path to utopia. Um, yeah. Because um, the one thing I'll say about uh, about music, like the reason why I never became a musician myself, everyone else in my family is a musician, like everyone except me. It's because music t is like scary. Music is so personal. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You can shit on somebody's favorite movie, and at the very least, they'll call you an asshole. You know what I mean? 
But if you shit on somebody's favorite song or band, like comes to blows, you know what I mean? Um, right. <laughs> and and like, yeah, music music is just such a personal, personal, personal thing that that it's that it is it is I you know could argue more powerful uh, in an emotional way than any other art form. Right. And so it makes sense to me that like music could be the key to that. You know, I don't know necessarily that uh, Robbie Rob's uh, "In Time" is, uh, you know, <laughs> although that song is beautiful. In I think the lyrics say, "In time, we'll be dancing through the streets all night." I mean, that that's that's pretty nice. You yeah, know? and then there's also the girls and the boys are doing it, which also that's a great song. Yeah, really good, really yeah. good stuff. <laughs> yeah, is, is is that what plays during the Waterloo sequence? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much do you want to bet that that uh, they tried to get the rights to Waterloo and Abba was like, no? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Fine. No, Maybe. I I I do think though that the it's absolutely a pre-internet thing. Like the internet, I do feel like it ruined music in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, as a musician myself, it it, it sucks. But like people's like attitudes and connection with music has really, really changed. And I hope the movie, this new third movie in the series tackles that a little bit because it really is such a change from back then. I, it kind of in a weird, silly way did feel like music could be a big, great, you know, equalizer in the world back Mm -hmm. then. And, Mm -hmm. and now it's just like everybody, everybody's making music and most of it is garbage and it's all free and nobody has room to grow as an artist because there's never going to be anything that connects with like everybody. It's just going to connect with little pockets of people because everybody's got their own little subgenres and stuff. And so but, it's just, it's weird to see nowadays. But see, then you've got like somebody like, uh, like Kanye West who, um, I mean, one of the one of his whatever you think about him as a person, one of the, the strokes of genius that he has as an artist is like you go back as far as like 2010, uh, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, when he has the music video for Runaway, mm-hmm. right? And um, which was part of a bigger video, but it's it's ballet, it's ballet mm-hmm. set to hip hop that right. then becomes um, becomes this weird, almost like rock and roll kind of sounding thing in the nine and a half minute version. You know what I mean with the distorted voice and like the heavy guitar. Sure. Like, I mean, he was showing us back then that like he was showing all those worlds collide into something beautiful and new. So like all these niche, you know, corners could work together in harmony because they're the same thing when you boil mm-hmm. it down, you know. But um, I think, you know, it is a beautiful thing that music is a more accessible and and the tools to create music being more accessible. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, my buddy was just telling me, talking to me yesterday about like, you think about the postal service back when they made that album, you know, and you hear the stories about how they would record it and send it back and forth to each other and all that. You're, in sure. 2003, you're like, how did they do this? You know? Yeah. Um, now but, it's the uh, simplest thing. Yeah. Now it's how <laughs> everyone does it because of COVID. You know what I mean? Like can't get together yep. with your band, you know, we'll each record our own pieces and blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I think the big problem with the internet is the big problem with everything, which is, you know, industry. That mm. like we live in industry. Social media is industry. You know, um, you hear a song like uh, "Free Bill and Ted." I want to buy the world a Coke. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the most beautiful song in the world. Really, you know what I mean? And fill it up with love. You know, it's a beautiful. <laughs> it, you know, 
But at the end of the day, you're like, you're fucking selling me Coca-Cola, you bastard. You you took something beautiful and turned it into, you know. But We're now... in this post-ironic per- period, too, which, oh. like, you know, n- uh, nobody takes anything, you know, at yeah. value. Well, as much as I, you know, enjoy this podcast, I mean, like, this post-modern version of, of art, just in general, where everything is referential or related to something else, or, you know what I mean? Right. You know, like... I mean, the whole idea of art is you create is an abstract perspective on something. You know what I mean? Like whether it's campfire stories about Greek gods or Jackson Pollock. You know what I mean? Um, sure. But uh, but this postmodern art, where the art itself is almost just completely referential to other art, mm-hmm. is a weird thing. Now, with the internet, we're moving into this other phase where. We live in a culture that is just completely submerged in pop culture. So now maybe even we're entering a post-postmodern art where like that is our language so that art will come back around and just be contextualizing um, (laughs) a a society again by referencing art. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, that is yet to be seen. But well. I'm, I'm going to move on to my next one here yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I'm actually for the sake of time, because we've got a lot to get through with this episode, yeah. uh, I'm going to combine a few eighties comedies that I think, uh, were certainly in the ether when coming up with something like this. And that, that includes back to the future, of course, as well as ghostbusters, as far as a kind of a general, uh, m- mystical sci-fi comedy kind of a tone and weird science as well for just getting science and comedy mixed together like that and in in this kind of a fun way that that is just uh ridiculous and over the top but also there's you know character and heart you know weird science is a perfect one you know i mean like for for many many reasons um it's funny i'll add mine into yours uh which was i don't know how you didn't say this one uh the blues brothers Oh, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the I think what was happening in the 80s was that, like, not only was, like, we're, like, the, was that the first wave of what eventually became what's known as nerd culture taking mm-hmm. over. Um, but that was, like, the first time where, like, the outcasts, the slackers were starting to kind of take front and center. Like, Bill Murray was a big, sure. you know, uh, and uh, and uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and and even John Hughes in a way he always felt like a nerdy little outcast. Suddenly, mm-hmm. their voices were being heard. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely think that 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 is what gave way to Bill and Ted. And Bill and Ted was actually created an option before Back to the Future. It obviously got made because of Back to the Future. You, sure. you know what I mean? But um, but uh, I just tried not to give any credit to Back to the Future when it comes to the Bill and Ted Back to Future debate because it's like. They're sorry, Back to the Future. You just ain't got nothing on Bill and Ted to do. Uh, <laughs> well, they're they're very very different yes, movies. Yes, you know, right. even even though they're sci-fi comedies. You know? You're right. You're right. No, no, you you really that that I mean that is the truth. You know, and another pair of sci-fi movies like that. You got RoboCop and Terminator. Like they get compared a lot for obvious reasons. But honestly, I just last week went to a drive-in uh, double feature of both of those, a Terminator and RoboCop. And they made the horrible mistake of playing Terminator Second, which it's a slower movie and it was like a little fuck. But watching them back to back, they're completely different movies too. Right, totally. You know, um, although RoboCop is a million times better. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but again, that, but it, there is no Bill and Ted without Back to the Future. So as much as I can like, you know, kind of hate Back to the Future in my own way, I can't deny it. It's, um, potency and its effect and it's uh you know so and and apparently they were originally going to time travel in a van but um they said that it was too similar so they changed it but a phone booth isn't similar enough to a police box Uh, (laughs) i'm glad that neither of us said doctor who (laughs) (laughs) well do you do you have any other uh, uh, big ones that you think maybe inspired Bill and Ted movies? Nah, nah, nah. No, okay. that that movie's a total original. I had to fake it. All sure of them. is. <laughs> it sure is. The only other thing I that I was going to throw in there, and it's something I haven't watched in even longer than the Bill and Ted movies until last week, but uh, is the heavy metal, the the animated movie, uh, with the whole visual thing of heavy metal music and and just all that kind of imagery in the uh the visions of the future and especially in bogus journey and just all the the craziness you know save your heavy your heavy metal uh puzzle piece for when we do the fifth element which uh okay was just a complete <laughs> ripoff of heavy metal but uh <laughs> right yeah. we'll, we'll put that one on the books for uh, Damn a couple months from now, now. <laughs> you're gonna have going through my head the whole time just like it's that one way ticket to midnight you know, <laughs> i that that movie i just do not care for at all but uh I, I haven't seen it since i was a little kid and i've always wanted to revisit it just because you know i i like that kind of trippy weird stuff but I, I don't remember if i even liked it as a kid i just remember visually you know i don't know how i never said this one in my puzzle pieces now that you bring that movie up american pop ralph bakshi's american pop um mm. it's it's uh, another movie kind of like a heavy metal where it was anim- uh, it was rotoscoped not all of heavy metal was rotoscoped though but a rotoscope animation where they actually shoot the people in real life and then they draw over it. But yeah, ro- but American Pop is an incredible film. It's an anthology film about four generations of American immigrants, uh, of an American uh, immigrant family in America during the 1900s and how they directly influenced and or inspired, directly inspired, uh, well, I guess the same thing, popular music over the course of the 1900s. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it starts with vaudeville and it ends with punk with the creation of punk rock or the popularization of punk rock in America. Um, nice. that would be I've never seen that. That sounds great. I've never I, seen it. I also have that tattooed on my arm. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my friend Ron Thompson, who's in, uh, he's in six of my films. Um, he was the star of that movie and I actually nice. met him at a double feature screening of that and heavy metal. Um, there you go. Yeah, heavy metal. All right. <laughs> so now we're in phase two of this time travel podcast, I assume, right? Where we're going to talk That's about. That's right. Woo! All right. All right. Let's look, can... fo- let's look, let's look forward. And it's going to be interesting to see, uh, just as a setup for this, it's going to be interesting to see in a couple of weeks from now when we record an episode on Bill and Ted Face the Music, if any of these movies come up as puzzle pieces for the new Bill and Ted movie, like the mm. whole, you know, something inspired is ends up inspiring. But I guess we'll find that out in the future. And uh, for now, let's start talking about some movies that might have been inspired by Bill and Ted. What do you got for your first one? Oh, I'm going first. Okay, well, we'll continue with this chronological order thing. <clears throat> uh, right. Freaked. Um, Freaked, which is the uh, Alex Winter who played Bill. It was uh, a film that he made 
right after the uh, second Bill and Ted. Um, uh-huh. and have you seen that film? I haven't. And you know, that's something I realized going back to these Bill and Ted movies. I don't know if I've seen anything with Alex Winter other than these movies. You've never seen the lost boys. That's true. He is in that. Huh? Well, I haven't seen that since of probably 92 or something <laughs> like yeah. early, early nineties, you know? Yeah. I rewatched that. Um, or by rewatch, I mean, watch for the first time all the way through. I watched mm-hmm. that last week, which is weird because I'm a huge Joel Schumacher fan. Um, sure. Like, I fought for him to get a section at this video store here in Santa Monica called Cinephile in the director section. I fought and fought and fought, and he finally got one. Um, but it was too little too late because now he has <laughs> passed away. But Lost Boys is incredible. I was blown away by it. But Freaked. Freaked is even better. Freaked is, a, is where Alex Winter... He wrote and directed it, and he starred in it, and he plays a teen idol named Ricky Coogan, who's a little long in the tooth these days. He's like, you know, 30 now, but still trying to ride the wave of his teen idol. And he gets hired, or he gets paid by this company called EES, which stands for Everything Except Shoes, and um, to promote their new, like, chemical Zygrot 23, or whatever it's called, in South America. He goes down there with his best buddy. They meet this, like protest girl this girl protesting zygot 23 and they all end up basically in a freak show run by randy quaid where he uses zygot 23 to turn them into mutants mm-hmm. um and and they lead a freak revolution like an uprising of the freaks to escape from randy quaid's evil clutches wow. and um it uh i say that bill and ted was an influence in um three ways directly one Alex Winter would never in a million years have gotten to make this movie if it wasn't for the fact that the Bill and Ted movies were popular. <laughs> um, I was actually, you know, speaking to that, I was surprised to find out that Bogus Journey did quite well in its theatrical mm-hmm. run. Yeah, yeah, I always assumed that it was kind of a flop or something. That's why we never got a third one, you know. But yeah, it, it actually was came in, I think, only like a few million less than the the previous one. Yeah, and 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 well, I mean, and you know, I saw the writers at a Q and A, the guys who wrote the Bill and Ted movies. And they um they said that like they just didn't have anything else to say. Right. You know what I mean? Which thank you. Like God, like <laughs> yeah. if only all if Kevin Smith could have heard that lesson. Right. You know, um, but Wayne's World 2 was a flop, and that's why we never got a third one of those. But sure. But the power of Bill and Ted. Mm. <laughs> but freaked. So direct because they were such hits, he got to make that. B, the tone and style of of Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Alex Winter was really like, like learned a lot from that as a director. Alex Winter was directing a TV show around the same time called The Idiot Box, and mm-hmm. the stuff that he learned on uh, on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, he was kind of like that one. He was he even talked about he had he had trouble with on set. He couldn't figure out what was going on, but then when right. he saw what it was done, he was like, "Oh my god, this one's even better than the first one." You know, so I think that really inspired him in a lot of ways. Sure, um, and. Uh, I guess, lastly, the way that I feel Bill and Ted influenced it is like, again, this uh, this idea of what we don't appreciate until it's too late. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, as as people, you know, and like what he fe- he felt, you know, he was seeing the ugly side of the industry. And I guess what he felt people in the industry couldn't appreciate about themselves, you know, like he plays a teen idol who literally has to become a mutant <laughs> to like learn to be human, you know? It sounds like such a crazy movie. Oh my god! Uh, Keanu Reeves plays a dog, a dog face man named Ortiz, and uh, uh, Mr. T plays the bearded lady. Bobcat Goldthwait plays a man with a sock puppet for a head. 
Um, oh my god! You've never like even heard of this? No, I never heard of it until just now. Oh, it's blowing my mind a little bit. Dude. I, I, oh. this, this, I, I'm thinking this might make a good. Uh, we're we're renting a uh, a place, uh, a house with a little home theater for my 40th birthday. Great I'm idea. This might this might make a uh, possible inclusion in my little movie marathon week. I have the Blu-ray. It's out of print. <laughs> I have it. I'll, I'll 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 ship it to you for your birthday. <laughs> I might take you up on that. It's only 80 <laughs> minutes, man. It sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I will move on to uh, to my first one. I've got a couple obvious ones and a couple a little bit out there ones, but I'm going to start with an obvious one, and that is Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, and mm-hmm. also Tenacious D just in general, of course. But you've got the the comedy rock. You've got they they end up on this big supernatural adventure, you know, with hell and the devil and all this kind of crazy stuff going on, and and then also if you continue on to uh, last year's post-apocalypto, uh, Tenacious D put out a, a multi-part web series that was animated with all new music, and they end up in even further crazy adventures that remind me a lot of Bogus Journey. Um, they, uh-huh. they clearly take a lot of inspiration from the the craziness, of course, the, the rock and roll comedy of the first one, but then the craziness of the second one. Wow, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that they came out with a new one. That's actually... I'll have to look oh, it's, into that. It, it's fun and it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I love it. Um, I loved Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. I I remember seeing the trailer for that and thinking that it looked awful. Like mm-hmm. just it just did not look funny at all. And so I never saw it until it came out on DVD when I was working at Blockbuster. And when I yeah. rented it and watched it, I was like, damn it. Right. Damn it, trailer. Because <laughs> it's it's so good. The one thing I didn't like though was that um, you know. I think a lot of people, maybe their first Tenacious D song they heard was the tribute, you know, sure. where they can't remember the greatest song in the world. So they write a tribute song to it. Classic. And it does bother me that they put what that song was in Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Right, I, don't, right. I don't think it bothers me as much as the fact that that song is the weakest song in the movie. Like, <laughs> and maybe that's the ultimate joke is that like they right. think that, that was the greatest song in the world, I guess. But like, I don't know, folks. <laughs> I, I do kind of love that song though but it it is like just kind of ridiculous you yeah, know yeah, yeah. it's just well and to bill and ted's credit i think that like that's something that might surprise a lot of people who don't know anything about these movies outside of like you know be excellent to each other is that the like the end of the second one it's so funny that we're we're both just talking about stuff that was inspired by the second one but um but that they go and they take a 16 month guitar lesson uh break in the middle uh-huh. of the battle of the bands, which I guess is cheating, <laughs> but um, but that the music in Bill and Ted—that's the thing about Bill, the music—isn't funny, right? Like how bad they are in the first one is funny, you know what I mean? But Rufus yeah. gives us the—they do get better, um, R.I.P. Um, but uh, but they take the music seriously, and I think that's the key to these movies: is that um, is that as goofy as they are, they take Bill and Ted seriously and they treat them with right. respect. And they, they treat music seriously. They, they, they have such respect for the art of music, which also that's one other thing before we move on to your next one that I've always found weird about that, that first movie. Uh, and maybe this was a thing in the eighties and into the early nineties, but just randomly playing guitar along to like tracks, like I, I can't, as a musician, I can't even imagine how I would do that. 
like, I, I need to have a song to play. Like, I can't just, like, jam two guitars at the same time. It would just be so dissonant and weird. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I come from, a, I come from the, the, the Bible Belt, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, like, bluegrass and folk and country jam sessions where there'll be 14 people, and out of the 14, 11 of them are playing guitar. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? No. So, like... Uh, it's just normal to me. <laughs> I guess so. That's that's great. All right, what do you have for your next one? Okay, my next one. Now, here's the thing. Bill and Ted's uh, Excellent Adventure is my second favorite screenplay of all time. Um, it really is. I'm a screenwriter. I love it. So I know I what it. I'm talking about. Uh, my first favorite screenplay of all time, though, is Last Action Hero. Okay. Um, and I think that they are fairly influenced it is fairly influenced by it um you know every little you know every garage band musician's dream is to become bill and ted in a way and um in last action hero for those of you who don't know even though i'm sure everybody knows about this movie it's a little boy who idolizes arnold schwarzenegger he is watching an arnold schwarzenegger movie and this magic golden ticket basically blasts him into the movie that he's in that mm -hmm. he's watching and he becomes a part of the movie and then the villain escaped from that movie, escapes back into the real world, and he and Arnold Schwarzenegger's character come into the real world and have to stop the villain. Um, it uh, notoriously had like every single screenwriter in Hollywood put their hands on it until finally Shane Black came in and wrote the version that 70% of what you've seen is from his version of the script. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why I think that it's directly uh, Bill and Ted influences a just the the whole premise the the premise you know of like you know the boyhood wish fulfillment you know what I mean sure but um that that movie also has the seventh seal in it uh, first of all where death mm -hmm. leaves um, the seventh seal played by Ian McKellen before he was a uh, you know uh, Magneto even and um, it, it is a film about uh, the reality that uh, you as a teenage boy don't think about of, of the consequences and the meaning of things that happen, how like films have uh, kind of defanged or diluted the potency of what we are taking in, whether it's mm -hmm. the violence or even the sexual nature of what we're seeing. And, um, and the movie gets this message across like Bill and Ted by taking the idea, by being sincere with the idea instead of spoofy, you know what I mean? Right, like right. Um, where Bill and Ted is more a direct comedy, it's not like spoofy humor. Like it doesn't feel inorganic for Genghis Khan to eat Twinkies. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, in Last Action Hero, it's a movie that starts off as satire, but then it becomes commentary. It becomes a social commentary. You know, mm -hmm. and um, and like Bill and Ted, it does that by beautifully by also being the very thing that it is satirizing and commentating on. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's a yeah. good action buddy movie, Last right. Action Hero. And uh, I don't think that we have that movie without without mm -hmm. Bill and Ted. And and uh, yeah, like uh, Last Action Hero. If you haven't seen it in years, like most, it's been a long time. Yeah, go go back, man. Do not delay. Like it is, that is, that's a real film. I got to rewatch that. But I, I did want to say though, at, to that point, to that piece, uh, the whole thing of of going into the movie 
Uh, did you know? Did you ever watch the Bill and Ted animated series? Of course. Okay, because I I don't I honestly don't remember if I did or not, but I was watching a video on YouTube that was like kind of just recapping some of the stuff that happened in those two series, and yeah, I guess they were going into movies in those series. Yep. So they, they yeah. also did you know that they had a live action Bill and Ted TV show? I I saw that. Yeah, I do not recall it, but it looked absolutely dreadful. Was it? How do you like it? Did you watch it? I mean, I haven't seen it since it was on. In yeah. 1992 or whatever. Sounds about right. I just remember that there was an episode where Rufus was like in prison and they wanted him to eat chicken feet. And he's like, but I hate chicken feet. <laughs> um, I mean, I liked it, you know, when I was when I was a kid. Um, sure. I would love to rediscover that show. I wonder if that's hard to find or if it's like on YouTube or something. Everything's it on must, YouTube. It must be out there somewhere. Or, yeah, I was looking for years for a TV show from the 90s called Deadly Games, and I finally just found that recently, too. The 90s have a lot of those hidden gem shows. Cop Rock, oh, you ever yeah. seen that? Woo! Never saw that. What about The Edge? you remember that? The sketch comedy show? No, I was like the Anthony Hopkins movie. What kind of? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, a, just another weird sketch comedy show. It had Jennifer Aniston on it. Oh, and, well, that's uh, why. That's yeah, why. <laughs> right. Charlie Kaufman was a writer on it at one point. Um, it's a lot of a lot of weird stuff. On Strike two. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you got to watch Cop Rock. You got to do it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm going to send you some links and you're going to be like, wait, this is a real show. Um, well, I, <laughs> I think if I remember correctly, you do not like my next piece that I'm going to bring up here. Uh, Sounds like and <laughs> And that is due to the uh, hugely different tone and direction of the sequel. I thought of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm. Dealing, dealing with the same basic genre, but completely going in a different direction with it and with the specifics of of how the movie deals with that particular genre. And of course we're getting, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, mystery genre, sci-fi monster kind of thing, but going in a completely different direction in 10 Cloverfield Lane than we did in the first one. The first one being a giant monster movie. The second one being more of a, uh, a suspense thriller, which then eventually devolves into a giant monster in the closing moments, spoiler alert. But with the Bill and Ted movies, we we've got sci-fi comedy with time travel as the sci-fi element going into more of a uh, magical and fantastical fantasy uh, sci-fi version for the second one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I did hate Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. That's not a lie, but um, I didn't think it was bad. Mm -hmm. I just hated it because it was predictable from minute one. Like I, I saw the first 10 minutes and I walked out and my buddy was so mad at me about it. And then everybody's like, you got to go back. It gets really interesting, blah, blah, blah. Like, you, there are a lot of twists. That you, and I said, let me guess. I said, let me guess. She builds some kind of chain link armor. She sets off a fire. She escapes. But it turns out he was right all along. And then in the end, she decides she's going to go and fight because she's, you know, learned how to be a fighter instead of somebody who runs away. Well, to that, Joe Black, I say sometimes it's about the journey. Yeah, but see, like that, which, yes, no, 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 no. See, now you're hitting on something. Yes. To me, that journey that I saw unfolding, I was like, don't give a shit. 
Like See, I, I, I yeah. love that movie. Right. I and love it. Right. Again, not saying that it's invalid. What I'm saying sure. is I saw that and I went, nope, don't nope, give a shit. Not, not and, for you. Um, yeah, I never <laughs> saw the third one either, but I loved the oh. first one. Third one is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's really? terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Challenge terrible. accepted. <laughs> there I, uh, you go. <laughs> but that means I might have to watch two to go, to watch three now? Possibly. Not uh, really. Well, oh, well, then fine. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, so you're saying that like the first one is like Independence Day and the second one is more like Signs. There you go. Kind of like what they did. Yeah, yeah. And again, like I said, I never really appreciated just how different the two movies were until my girlfriend watched them. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I could see why, like, if you really love the first one, why the second one might make you go, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I can, o- I can only imagine my 11-year-old brain just like, what What happened to my Bill and Ted? It, it, you know what? I, <laughs> this is a ridiculous puzzle piece, but uh, it, almost, almost like Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario Brothers 2. Do you mm-hmm. hear me here? The video no. games. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Not, there, there was no Super Mario Brothers 2 movie. Uh, but no, the video games. Uh, the second one is so completely different from the first one. Wasn't you know? the second one supposed to be some other video game and they just last minute reconfigured it to Mario? Doki Doki Panic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the fact that I knew that. I mean, like, uh, I think the last video game I played was Super Mario 2. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but that was around the same time, I think, probably. So. I wonder why I didn't even think of Super Mario Brothers as being um, something that Bill and Ted influenced. Although I could, I could ask the director. He's a personal friend of mine. Um, <laughs> which, if you know, you know that that's not a Hollywood brag that my friend directed <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Um, yeah, no, uh, Bill and Ted Two is. Um, kind of traumatic in a weird way and it's odd that like like i mean they're like ripping they die heads get ripped off uh like station himself is like really creepy like when you know, he, like traumatic uh, is a really interesting word to use because i probably between and it's only a year later right that that bogus journey came out was it a year later i think two or two two, two years two or three it, it well in that time i probably watched bill and ted's excellent adventure 50 or more times, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was my favorite, favorite movie. And then I walked out of Bill and Ted's bogus journey when the credits rolled. And I don't think I ever watched either of them again until last week. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, but then, but true to form that like for the, the idea of the theme of the movie to be effective, death has to be scary. Like the the future Mm -hmm. has to be scary. Like you, you, you can't, you know, like, I mean, I'm about to say you can't sugarcoat it in a movie where Pam Greer unzips herself to reveal George Carlin. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, like the trauma of it all, it needs to have impact when they die. It's actually pretty creepy the way they do the the black and white effect, because it's not full blown black and white. They just mm-hmm. desaturated the film and, and color and put them in gray outfits and stuff. Right. Um, which is it's freaky looking. Oh, I should have used Popeye as a reference. <laughs> Popeye does the same thing when Bluto gets mad and he stares at Olive and Robin and Popeye. He sees them as all red, but instead of just putting a red filter on the camera, they literally put them in red costumes, painted the walls red of the room they were in, and cast a red light outside. Oh, to wow. Give it that, this, yeah, like this otherly kind of feel. Because Bill and Ted could have just gone black and white. You know what I mean? But sure, they, sure. They, oh, wow. Making real movies again. And now, because of The Mandalorian, we can just shoot the whole thing against this moving blue screen and we don't even have to leave our living rooms. 
We could have um, a virtual reality camera. God bless technology, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move on to your next piece? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting close to the end here. Uh, School of Rock. Cool. More Jack Black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, School of Rock. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with this movie. I love the first hour, hate the second, the last quarter of the movie or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, again, I, I like anything that validates, um, especially at a, a young age, whether it be high school or even younger in this case, um uh art as an expression uh, mm-hmm. as an extension and an expression of oneself um one of the things i hated so much about the movie whiplash is that i felt like it dared to say that art is a skill above all and uh and i don't appreciate that um school of rock like validates the growth both um emotionally and intellectually of these children through music um unfortunately it completely undoes all of its uh, all of its uh, built-up uh, goodwill by the end, by in the third act, it's so bad. The third act of that movie is unforgivably bad. But um, I mean, it's dumb. Like the police chase him out of the fucking school, and then I guess just stop chasing him once he leaves the school, because then he just like goes home. And I then, remember like, it just getting very ridiculous in that ending. Yeah, and then like all the kids, like the next day, like the parents are all there yelling at the principal, but all the kids are just sitting in the classroom alone. And then they leave the classroom, go to the bus driver, tell him we're supposed to go pick up Mr. Schneebly for our fucking field trip. So the bus driver drives into his house, and they go upstairs and get him, come back down, and then they go to a battle of the bands in the middle of the day on a school day. Is the so stupid, um, <laughs> too stupid, and that's what Bill and Ted is something that you know. Even if the new one wasn't coming out, like you said, like we talked about it on the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood podcast, um, Bill and Ted is a movie we'll talk about, you know, forever, whatever forever means, because it's so well thought out. It's so meticulously crafted. Like we were just saying about the bogus journey, death. You know what I mean? School of Rock is a movie that, you know as great as parts of it are, or just, is just kind of like lazily thrown together. Somebody had a good idea and just threw it together because it would be fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're meant for the same audience. And the first Bill and Ted, at the very least, gives you the same feeling that the School of, the School of Rock does, you know? Yeah. But the difference is in actually, like, crafting and caring about why you're doing something. Right. You know? Well, I, I think another thing, though, with The School of Rock is uh, that it's another movie that truly loves music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that helps. Does it love now? Here's an interesting question: Does it love making music or does it love playing music? So that's you know, an interesting question. Yeah, like because yeah. Jack Black, I mean, he what he learns in the movie is that like maybe it's better left to somebody else who's better mm-hmm. than you. Which I don't know if I like that message actually. Now thinking about it, <laughs> you know, but there is a beauty to. I always find it funny when Hollywood makes movies about people who like failed, but then still succeeded in their own way, because that Mm -hmm. movie is being made by everybody who succeeded. Um, You know, so who are they to, you know, pass judgment. I, that wild Rose movie was another movie that I just absolutely despised because, Oh yeah. Yeah. And even though Jesse Buckley is my, my new movie girlfriend, um, Hmm. she, uh, she, that character has this dream so much so that she's sociopathic and closes off her family and friends and hates her town and betrays her boss does in my opinion things that are borderline unforgivable if not things at the very least that you need to atone for which she never does Mm -hmm. um which bothered me about the movie 
But then she goes to Nashville to try to make it. And after being there for a week, it's like, this is too hard and goes home. And then the movie just cuts to a year and a half later. And she's like a Glasgow sensation. And I'm like, how? How? How did she go home and become successful to this level? That doesn't make any sense. I didn't really take the ending as being uh, big successful. She's just like a little hometown whatever, you know? She's got like a, she's a sold out crowd of like thousands of people and like playing. Yeah, I guess so. Mary Steenburgen written song that, you know. It's a good song. Yeah, I mean, the song is good, but like at the end I was like, what? Like how? Like this is the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like that doesn't. You know, even Bill and Ted, we had to see them get better at guitar and win a battle of the bands. And you know what I mean? Like, like this girl, she's just like, I'm just going to go back home. And they're like, going home was the solution. And I'm like, was it? Like, how? You know, fuck you. What, speaking of dumbest thing I ever heard in my life, one of my favorite lines in Bogus Journey, I, I had to write it down. Uh, yes, sir, dude. What? Yes, dude, sir. What? Yes, sir, sir, dude. <laughs> <laughs> amazing down and give me infinity (laughs) that is writing right there i i love it i love that movie so much your dad looks bad i know (laughs) (laughs) well i i want to kind of do something a little bit different and do um for for the rest of my pieces instead of just doing regular pieces i'm going to kind of speed around them with a bunch of comedy duos that have come since bill and ted okay i only have one more so maybe you'll say it yeah there you go so let's start off of course right in the middle of these two movies wayne's world um Mm -hmm. you know it that that comparison has come up a million times over the years it was there right in the in the uh the formation of wayne's world i think it it kind of stands you know I, I think it i think it works as a comparison uh i that's another series that i haven't revisited in many years i don't know if it would hold up as well as this holds you know? up like aces they, they, yeah yeah it's not i don't think they hold up as well as bill and ted if only because bill and ted were made with purpose you know what i mean and that shows but the mm-hmm. actual quality of wayne's world one especially is incredible and wayne's world 2 if it had been directed better would be just as good but the script is just as good they're great movies nice nice yeah and they also work because they're like buddy comedies that get pulled into stoner comedies when there's no no even reference of drugs in either movie right right no that's absolutely true um on the other end of the spectrum, though, is Jay and Silent Bob, which mm-hmm. <laughs> are uh, stoner comedies, but also just, you know, ridiculous. They go on these, you know, big, crazy adventures. You could totally see Jay and Silent Bob going on either of these two adventures, whether it be through time to, uh, you know, something related to school and learning or whether it's going to hell and going to heaven and all that stuff. I almost put Dogma on my list of films that like Bill and Ted, you know, inspired, but like, I feel like that would, I knew how long this episode was going to be. And I have too much to say about Dogma because Dogma is, you know, film that set me on my ways. But I mean, if you've ever seen Dogma and you've heard the rest of this podcast, you can, kind of see the general like reason why like dogma and this and these movies are very closely tied to each other totally yeah and then uh the the other one of course would be beavis and butthead uh which two characters who are just they they love each other they they bicker a little here and there but they love each other and they love music and they they get into some crazy adventures together and 
also don't really do drugs. Right. Uh, they, they are, they're, they're, I feel like they're like the spoof version of Bill and Ted where they definitely. are how people see people like Bill and Ted. And, uh, but beautifully Beavis and Butthead is another one of those things that like every day I'm thankful to the, to the, uh, Hollywood gods for Beavis and Butthead. I, I think it's a good one. I'm glad that those were the first three you, you referenced. I am very curious to hear your thoughts on this movie, okay? It's a movie that I read online was uh, rumored, although it's been debunked, to have been uh, started development as a possible Bill and Ted sequel script. Hot Time Machine? No, it's oh. not. Although that one could definitely fit this as well. Uh, it is the Pauly Shore Stephen Baldwin movie Biodome. What yeah, do you think of this movie, Joe? I love that movie. Are you kidding me? You do? I figured yeah. you probably would. I, yeah. I love this movie too. I yeah. think it's absolutely insane and ridiculous. Yeah, there, I'm on there, board. There, there are three undeniably great Pauly Shore movies Encino Man, Son in Law, and for me, Biodome. 100% those three are exactly where yeah. I'd be with, with you. Yeah. Biodome was a movie that, like, um, like Mallrats, was kind of like um, ahead of its time in some ways, but locked in its time in some ways. You know, um, sure. Like an environmental friendly movie, like about like slackers learning to become more environmentally friendly while satirizing like the establishment. Like I, I don't know. Like it's it's a great idea. You know, yeah. And the, and the gags are funny. Like people they are stuck on flypaper and shit like that. Like that's. That's good. It's, 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 yeah. I could see it's, that being it, Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, it, it's not that hard to, to imagine it happening. I guess Alex Winters uh, shot this down. He said he's never heard of any such thing happening. But, uh, but yeah, I could totally see, you know, that kind of, uh, those kind of characters getting stuck in a science experiment as one of their adventures. That seems like an episode of the the TV show. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, if, if, from what I can remember, uh, but yeah, um, no, I could see that. I love. Wow, the one movie that I could never have predicted would have been on this one, Biodome. I'm right. Glad That's yeah. awesome. So, what what do you have for your last piece? Any then? chance I get to further dig myself into my cinematic jail hole that that my movie buddies <laughs> put me in? Um, Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead, if only because they they marketed Shaun of the Dead as a spoof. You know mm. what I mean? Even just from the title. But what makes Shaun of the Dead such an effective and potent movie is that I personally, for my money, think Shaun of the Dead is the most realistic zombie movie ever made. Mm -hmm. Like, that's exactly what would happen. Like, sure. uh, even in that the military gets a hold of the situation within, like, two days. You know what I mean? Like, 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 um, I, I think that, uh, Shaun of the Dead is, uh, is a beautiful film and I don't think Edgar Wright has made a good movie since. Yeah, I said it. Um, because, because everything he's done since has been a stupid comedy. Like, the, hmm. you know, even, even Hot Fuzz, which is decent, like, is, it, there's no reality. There's no truth to that movie. And the sincerity, hmm. like when Sean kills his mom, in Shaun of the Dead, are we laughing? No. And again, it's right. it's another thing where it's this guy who's so self-involved, but unwilling to make change in his life because of how self-involved he is, having mm. to having this extreme situation put him it put it all into perspective for him. And right. I love that at the end, as much as he and Ed, you know, fight all the time, you know, that like his love for Ed is true, so much so that, you know, he keeps him in the in the garage to play video games with, you know, at the <laughs> end. Um 
I think Shaun of the Dead is a masterpiece. Um, and Baby Driver can drive off a cliff for all I care. <laughs> well, I'm with you with that one, although I will have to push back on Hot Fuzz, even though it is a different thing. Uh, I love Hot Fuzz, but well, that's uh, another story. Interesting that you say that about Baby Driver. We'll have to talk about that sometime because I, I yeah. that's one of two movies that makes me feel like a true outcast in this world. Like, there's plenty of movies that I love that people hate or that I hate that people love. And I, almost every time I can understand why. But the one movie that actually, the two movies that make me feel isolated are everyone else in the world seems to love Baby Driver. And everyone, everyone in the world except for me seems to love Nightcrawler. Hmm. But yeah, I could see Nightcrawler being a movie you don't like. That makes I, sense. I hate it, but you know what I loved? Yeah. Velvet Buzzsaw. That's true. You did love that. And mm -hmm. I still haven't seen it. I got to watch that one of these days. You fool. It's so readily accessible. <laughs> All right. Let's do the finished puzzle. A whole lot of movies we talked about. And I probably missed a couple that I didn't write down because it was a whole lot of movies. But movies that either were an inspiration for Bill and Ted or that Bill and Ted inspired include, and also a couple of books here at the top, <laughs> A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, The Time Machine, Time After Time, The Seventh Seal, Star Wars, Star Trek, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Weird Science, The Blues Brothers, Heavy Metal, American Pop, Freaked, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, Last Action Hero, 10 Cloverfield Lane, School of Rock and Shaun of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Don't you forgot Beavis and Butthead Biodome and Wayne's World? I got caught up in our conversation and forgot to write them down. <laughs> you, you, you fool. <laughs> I, I, I'm screwing up here. <laughs> Arguably the three best. The three best movies I left off. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, that, that I really need to revisit Wayne's World. I used to love those movies so damn much, and I haven't watched them in so many years. Oh, and I, I just left out Dogma. Dogma, Jesus. And um, you left out Dogma. My we're, favorite we're movie, which I also just showed my girlfriend. We actually just last night, I, we've been watching the Jay and Silent Bob movies now, and um, she watched yeah. them all. I think her favorite is Mallrats or Chasing Amy, but um, Dog, we just watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back last night, and Last week, I went to Kevin Smith's Jay and Silent Bob reboot drive-in birthday bash. So I saw mm -hmm. the movie again for the first time since we did our podcast on it. Nice. And it's and I've never seen a movie that has been the exact same experience for me twice, where like everything that you know I liked, which was very little, I liked again, and everything I hated, I hated just as much. Didn't grow, didn't didn't diminish, nothing. Right, which is again, thing. but I, I I don't fear that fate necessarily for Bill and Ted. Like I watched Jane Silent Bob Strike Back last night, and that movie is wonderful. That mm -hmm. is not his best movie, Kevin Smith, but I think that it hold. I think it's his best directing, and it holds up even twenty years later. And the stuff that we don't that people today might not get reference wise still feels like part of like the fabric of them as people. You know what I mean? So it like. It feels okay. Jane Sandbob reboot is nothing but like, uh, 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 you know, right. yeah. Bill and Ted looks like it was actually made with some thought and some money. Although I met the producer for it, one of the producers on it and he showed me a clip from it on his phone. Uh, and I was like, uh Oh, but, <laughs> but you know, fingers crossed. Well, I'm trying to get into an early screening of it next week at the drive-in. Um, nice. But, uh, but I, I can't wait. I can't wait to finally bring this saga to an end. And I'm I'm hoping for a good finale, not like Return of the Jedi. Oh, no. Bringing it back to puzzle piece <laughs> number one. 
Well, I think that does it for this. We're going to be getting into a whole bunch more Bill and Ted after we see this new one. Um, so why don't we close this thing up? Do you have a movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Um, yeah, I uh, ju- just recently um, I watched. Uh, oh, God, it just left my head. Oh, no. Hang on. You're going to have to cut this part out. While I look at it, I, I, I had it all planned, but we've. My head is swimming from this one. This is this was a good one. Um, There's a lot to it. Oh yeah, it was it, it was it was fantastic though. Um, uh, what did I just watch? Uh, yes. Okay, I've got it. ready. Here we go. So take two. Boop. Yes, <laughs> I just watched a Roger Corman film called Gas with uh, four S's on the end of it. Um, uh, it was written uh, by the guy who uh, directed Gross Point Blank and Miami Blues, uh, George Ar- Ar- Arbitrage, Ar- Armitrage, I don't know how to say his last name. It is about, it was made in 1970, and it stars Talia Shire. Um, I say it stars her even though she's only in like half of it. But um, it's about uh, a, a, the government accidentally releases this chemical weapon when they're testing it, that a gas that goes into the atmosphere and kills everybody over the age of 25. So everybody over the age of 25 is dead. And it's basically the the post-JFK college kids, like either the ultra conservatives or the ultra hippies, coming to head and coming to a head and trying to create some new society. Um wow. it's literally fascist versus hippies. And it's only it's only 70 minutes long. You can actually watch the whole thing on YouTube. Just type in gas with four S's, Roger Corman. The whole thing is there on YouTube. It is so funny um it, like you know a lot of these older comedies especially hippie comedies are so dated that they, they just don't jive but this sure, one sure sure oh man i was i was sinking to the floor laughing so hard watching this movie i feel like i may need to watch this uh for a possible puzzle piece if we do an episode on boy state that new documentary that just came out um i don't know yeah i feel like it could fit it's about about these uh uh, students in Texas who come together uh, to form a, a new government. Basically, it's like a thousand students, and they uh, they have to split up into these uh, fake parties and from the ground up build and then run for and then yes. elect people. And uh, yeah, and it, it's very depressing. Well, yeah, I, I, I did. If you're gonna do a podcast, uh, if you're gonna do that on on that movie, then yeah, definitely watch Gas. Like, please, yeah. like when once it gets to like the fascist football players with their cheerleaders uh a c i s t like it's it's so oh, no. it, yeah dude you do and it's on youtube the whole thing it you'll get a real kick out of it and it's got Sounds talia shire in it my my original my original love ever All since right. i was a wee baby little adrian <laughs> from rocky have you watched anything uh have i've been watching a lot of stuff actually uh for our podcast awesome movie year we're doing the um 1977 season so i've been watching a lot of stuff i've never seen before from from that year i particularly really love uh three women that i thought was great hey uh, robert altman he's he's one of the big three for me but that movie yeah. that's not what your one of your favorite altman movies I, it may be the experience I saw it the first time. I've seen it a couple times, but the first time I tried to see it, uh, I had just moved to L.A. and I heard about, you know, they when you move to L.A. and you're a movie fan, obviously, uh, they have all these, like, you know, classic screenings, and it's just like a dream come true, you know? Like, I can go sure. to a theater and go see Billy Jack or something. And um, 
they were going to be doing a screening of a 35 millimeter screening of three women, Robert Altman film, who's one of my favorite directors. And I've never seen it at a, an old theater called the silent theater that used to only play silent films. It's that old. And I was like, great. So I went and not knowing anything about these screenings, I showed up 20 minutes early, like you do for a movie. And the line was down the block. I already had my sure. ticket. Thank God. But yeah. I get into this theater and by the time I get in, they're like, it's only standing room at this point. And I was like, what? Wow. Like, so I had to stand to watch the movie. The AC was broken and they came out and told us right before it started that the print didn't show up in time or there was a problem with it. So they were going to be screening the Criterion DVD of it. Mm. So I paid $15 for a DVD screening in a no AC room full of 150 people standing up watching this movie. And then on top of that, everybody was laughing like hyenas during it. Like they just thought it was like the funniest movie ever made. And I was like, I know this is supposed to be funny. Yeah, no, I mean, it it certainly had its humorous moments, but uh, I, I don't think it's that kind of movie. Yeah, so. Shelley Duvall with all the blood on her after, like, the miscarriage, you know, like, coming out, like, <laughs> and everyone's just like, ah, ha, 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 ha. I'm like, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe give that one a different, uh, a, a different kind of screening one day and mm. see if it grows on you a little bit. <laughs> all right, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm always open to watching more Altman. He's, like I said, the big three are Cassavetes, Woody Allen, Robert Altman, you know? So. There you go. Also watched Annie Hall, so which thing that? Since, oh, I loved it. I I've seen that like maybe ten years ago. Last time I've seen it a few times, but uh, yeah, it's great. I talk I talk about my uh, my girlfriend a lot uh, on this podcast recently, and uh, uh, you know it's because I've been showing her all of these classic movies we talk that we talk about. You know what I mean? Like I've given her a movie education. But our sure. first, uh, like not our first date, but like one of our first dates was that's like um, the best part of like a new relationship is all absolutely movies. except for when they don't like them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we didn't even know if we were like technically dating at this point, but we went and saw Annie Hall together as a midnight movie and they were doing trivia beforehand. And I hate that kind of thing. That's not how I move. You know, I'm a movie geek, not a movie nerd. And, um, but I wanted to like impress this girl and look, they had this question. They were like, uh, what was the original? And as soon as they said original, I knew what the question was going to be. So I raised my hand and it was like, what was the original title of Annie Hall? And I was like, Anhedonia. And and it originally it was anhedonia, which means like the inability to experience pleasure. Mm. And Annie Hall was originally a three hour long movie um, mm. that Annie was just a small part of. And then Woody Allen hated what they made, what they shot. He said, cut out everything that doesn't have to do with Diane. And then they reshot <laughs> a new ending for it. They shot a couple new endings. One of them was so bad he took the original negative and threw it into a rock quarry. But um, but he put it together and changed movies forever. That's um, interesting. Yeah, did you talk about that on Awesome Movie? We haven't um, gotten to the episode yet. I'm curious to see if they bring it up. So. Well, I ended up winning a, a a painted poster of Annie Hall that now that my girlfriend and I live together, it hangs above our, our television in our living room. Nice. So That's awesome. I have too many stories. Sorry, this podcast <laughs> is actually a shorter one for us considering we had 135,000 pieces. But, yeah, uh, pretty much. That's just normal yeah. length for when I get on here and get all loquacious. Well, let's give you a couple more minutes to uh, plug your website and what, what you've got going on right now. Yes, yes. Um, by the end of this month, which this is August, by the end of this month, we will finally have our website up and running, bloomingspregnantfilms.com, um, where you will be able to see um, every single movie feature that I've made, with the exception of Hate Horses, um, unfortunately. That one uh, we're trying to get distribution for, but all other 13 movies that I've made will be up there, as well as like uh trailers and bios and clips and you know all this kind of stuff it's a really it's you know 
17 years worth of content and hundreds and hundreds of people and their talent on display. So definitely check it out. BlueMeansPregnantFilms.com. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks again for doing this. And I'm looking forward to talking again in a week about this new one. Let's, let's, let's go in. Let's go in hopeful. That's well, all I can say. Until then, you know, party on, dude. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And I am so excited to watch Bill and Ted face the music tonight. We're ordering pizza and wings, and we got a whole night planned of it, and uh, I, I can't wait. And we'll be back with an episode on that next week. We also got an episode coming up, one of our special, uh, the second in the series of special episodes on trailers of upcoming movies. That's coming up next week. And so we got lots more piecing it together coming your way. So make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app of choice. And I will say that, uh, you know, our numbers of listeners and all that has just been awesome lately. And I just really, really appreciate everyone who's out there supporting the show. Uh, we've got some new subscribers over on our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash by David Rosen and combines bonus and advanced content from this podcast, as well as awesome movie year, all rice, no beans and stuff from my music career. So you know, for, to the people who are already supporting, thank you so much, and I hope more people continue to support. If you do, I'm going to make some effort to actually get a whole bunch more stuff to post there, too. So, l lots coming, lots coming, lots that I've been working on. Working mostly on this new album that's coming along. I'm hoping to release it on October 4th, my birthday. But, you know, we'll see. Still got a little bit of work left to do. I think I think we'll get it done in time. It, it, it's it's very, very close. But, you know, for now, just keep on editing, keep on recording, and keep on making these podcasts in the meantime, which are taking up a lot of my time, along with all the guest appearances I've been doing. By the way, piecingpod.com, our website, go to the link section. You'll find a list of all of the podcasts I have been a guest on, and it's a lot. I, I did five in August alone. I got uh, four already lined up for September. So, I mean, if you want me on your podcast, get in touch. I'm always happy to do it. Um, but you'll as a little bonus, you'll get listed in the link section on piecingpod.com. And who doesn't want that? So let's close this thing out with a piece of music, as I always do. And I feel like I should play something that rocks to go along with the uh, the Bill and Ted theme. And... I think a perfect track to play, if I could find it, I gotta, I gotta find it. Hopefully I've got it here somewhere on my computer, but it's a song from an animated comedy video that I made in the early days of getting into making music and scoring film and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's something called Rock and Roll Billy, which 
was a, uh, it's like a flash animated little cartoon that I made about my friend, Billy, who, uh, he was an old roommate of mine back in like my college days. And he's just an all around cool dude. And it's a, a cartoon about him and his dog, Dexter, rest in peace, Dexter. Uh, but it, it, was meant to be like kind of like something that would have been on Adult Swim or something like that. And actually, I think this was before Adult Swim, so it should have been picked up and it should have been seen by millions of people. But it's been seen by thousands of people on my YouTube channel. So that's good enough. But Rock and Roll Billy is a song I made specifically to make this whole animated little cartoon to. And it is over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash music by David Rosen. And maybe one day if things ever slow down, I'll get around to making a sequel because I, I've always visualized a sequel to this song and it's in my head it just needs to actually happen but for now though go to my youtube to check out the cartoon and enjoy the song right here this is rock and roll billy West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.